0: The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media US. On today's McKnight's Market Leaders Podcast. People crave growth. They crave change from time to time and certainly fulfillment in their role. And that latter one is especially true in our industry so these are individuals who are drawn to helping others and and being of service to others so they're gonna i I think innately seek that fulfillment and for many fulfillment comes from learning new ways to help people and scale their impact to make the lives of patients better. better
1: continues to be a massive challenge in the long-term care space. Facilities and home care agencies need to offer what job seekers are looking for to stand out and attract the best. And for many job seekers, that is growth and stability. Today we have Adam Robinson of Hireology. He's here to give us some tips and tricks for providing real career growth opportunities to both recruit and retain better talent long-term. Welcome to the podcast, Adam.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Liza.
1: Why is offering career growth so important when it comes to healthcare hiring and retention?
0: Well, I'll take a, a bit of data out of our 2023 State of Healthcare Hiring Report, which uh, we we do twice a year. Uh, it is based on a survey of more than 650 recent uh, job seekers in this industry, and what we found was. of job seekers in this industry would actually take a lower paying job in exchange for career growth opportunities. And so to put this another way, job seekers aren't always blindly taking the highest paying option. I know we've had a lot of wage pressure over the last couple of years, but what we're finding, uh, you know, the the, the applicant economy, if you will, is is seeing the grass isn't necessarily always greener. It's not always about the most pay. In fact, only about 9% of our survey respondents said that they would always take the higher paying option. So instead, job seekers' value uh, the values are really nuanced. Yes, they need pay that meets their needs. Um, but there's always a range of pay that is going to meet someone's needs. So if we're paying fairly, if we're paying market, right, if we can come close to that range and offer a robust plan for growth, we're going to be able to win over more than a third of job seekers at a time when hiring remains tough. And so what, what the job seeker is asking in the moment of making that decision is, what does this opportunity offer me that's more than just a paycheck? I, in this industry, I've got options. I can work anywhere. Everybody's hiring right now. What is it about this opportunity that's going to give me more than just a time for money trade or transaction? So if I come to work for you, what does is, what is the next two years look like? Uh, and that's really how job seekers think about it these days. Uh, they think about it in 18 to 24 month windows of time. Uh, and if I can learn and grow with you, over the next couple of years, I'll then, as, as that employee, reassess, does this organization continue to offer me more than just a paycheck? Am I continuing to learn and grow? And so career growth in this market means 18 to 24 months. And, and if we can tell a story and provide opportunity in buckets over 18 to 24 month periods of time, that's really the formula for success here.
1: Very interesting. And just to be clear, what kind of workers are we talking about? Are you talking about your frontline, unskilled uh, long-term care worker? Or are we talking about more of a nurse kind of uh, career professional here?
0: Well, the concept applies to all roles. It, it may be uh, certainly a bigger challenge to provide career growth opportunity to the unskilled component of the labor force in this industry, but I would challenge everyone listening to think about how they can do that. I mean, we all have stories of that individual who started off in a particular role, and maybe an unskilled a skilled caregiver, you know, role, but aspired to a credentialed role to get to, to get a CNA or, or, or to get their nursing certificate or, or other things that they can do to grow their career, and employers that that offer those opportunities are the ones that will win their higher share of everyone across all markets. So we want to hire the best in any cohort. And certainly if that's an unskilled cohort, we want to hire the best available and the best available are looking to do more than just work uh, in exchange for pay. And so it's particularly important uh, in that area to the market. And then for our skilled workforce, it's it's imperative. Um, We have to provide a path to uh, opportunity uh, beyond what we're hiring them for in, the, in, in, the, uh, in that moment in time. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're always going to choose to follow that path, but the fact that we have one is just so critically important in selling the opportunity in our business as being an employer of choice, as being a differentiated opportunity.
1: Why do you think job seekers value growth so much?
0: Well, I, I think job seekers today are looking for long-term relationships with their employer. And they aren't necessarily looking to hop around just to make a little bit more money, but at the same time, people crave growth. They crave change from time to time and certainly fulfillment in their role. And that latter one is especially true in our industry. So these are individuals who are drawn to helping others and and being of service to others. So they're gonna, I I think, innately seek that fulfillment. And for many, fulfillment comes from learning new ways to help people and scale their impact to make the lives of patients better, and so that could be moving into management roles or you know team lead roles with more responsibility. And I think just as humans, you know, we're always going to seek the path of least resistance, right? So if if we know we can grow and develop our skills with you as a particular employer, um, they'll do that over leaving and in and, and trying to search for that elsewhere where it may not be true. So. People are, are really loyal to their employer if their employer is providing them those opportunities. And I think job seekers really value having that growth opportunity. Even if they don't necessarily pursue it for themselves, they know they're working somewhere where they have that option. And that option doesn't exist everywhere. At least it's not marketed very strongly everywhere. So it is a leg up in the recruitment story that you can tell.
1: hmm so let's get a little bit specific here. What are some ways that facilities and home care agencies can foster this career growth and offer professional development?
0: I think th- there are really four things to, to touch on here. I, th- I think first, where I've seen organizations have the most success for the, let's call it the, the biggest return for the least amount of investment uh, or time spent is in mentorship programs. And so what, what I see successful organizations doing here on the professional development front is pairing junior members of their team with more senior members for onboarding, for advice, support, even inspiration. And so uh, organizations that are successfully running mentorship programs are putting some intention behind it. And they're finding there's a benefit not only for new hires, but also there's career development opportunity for senior more members uh, because you know, you're know you giving them opportunities to lead and to train. I think second. Very specifically, having some kind of a program to cover all or part of the cost of additional training or additional certifications. Uh, So if there's a formalized program that offers additional training or certification training, uh, even licensing, helping defer the cost of licensing, all of that goes a long way towards incentivizing people uh, to continue their, their, their learning path. And and then specifically on that front, um, you know, straight out tuition reimbursement. So say you hire someone in a caregiver or CNA role and they want to become a registered nurse, organizations should really think about paying for them, uh, helping them offset the cost of that training and hiring them internally for open RN or CNA positions down the line. And that speaks to the fourth point I'd make, which is, you know, as a best practice, opening all new roles internally first. Is, is a good philosophy uh, to run because it shows that we're looking internally as an employer for folks who may be ready for that next step. And the combination of those things are some really, I think, accessible uh, and immediately available offerings that organizations can have.
1: I mean, that sounds just fabulous to work for an employer that's going to basically be almost your, your, your university as well. But I'm just wondering what are the pain points for organizations to do this? Obviously, there is money involved, there's time involved, there's labor involved. What have you seen as the biggest obstacles that organizations have to overcome to make these things happen?
0: Well, there's certainly a financial, uh, you know, you can look at it as a financial obstacle. I mean, tuition reimbursement costs dollars. Uh, the the certification help cost dollars. The second would be uh, an intention around where we're spending our time as leaders. It does take more time to manage these programs, but I, you know, Liza would ask the question for, you know, for anyone listening, you know, thinking, you know, this is extra time or dollars. My question is what problem do you want to spend your time solving? Right. We can spend our time and our money chasing the leak in the bucket and the high turnover rates or we can spend our time investing in the people that are here and spending our dollars to help them grow their career. Uh, and it's a mindset shift. This is, is, is frankly the biggest obstacle. It's allocating the time and resources to invest in the people that we have versus taking our you know spending our time chewing aspirin and trying to solve a turnover problem without the right tool set. Uh, we're going to spend time or money uh, addressing this issue. My recommendation from our experience would be invest that time in the folks we we're bringing in versus continually having to fill the turnover positions, you know, that for, for many facilities can approach 50 plus percent a year. It's, it's just a, it's a question of where you want to spend your time.
1: Do you find that uh, organizations have the most success kind of picking off these things one by one um, or offering them all at one time? How do you, how does an organization start to pivot to this, this new mindset, as you say?
0: Well, you can certainly uh, take them all on at once or, or do it one at a time. I mean, that's really an organization-specific assessment you have to get through. However, if you're looking for a place to start, the lowest cost place to start is in, the, is in mentorship. I mean, I would say, you know, the, if you're looking for the least financial, you know, hard dollar out today commitment but probably a larger time and intention commitment that would be in mentorship. If we're looking, you know, if we have dollars to spend, but not a lot of time to spend, these tuition reimbursement programs are are great benefits that employees can opt into that require the least amount of time. And of course, doing all of it's going to get you the biggest impact.
1: So if I'm hearing you correctly, maybe a good place for, an organization, whether you be a whether it be a home care agency or a long term care a community, to start um, where you might get the most, um, like you said, return on your investment might just be in mentorship.
0: Certainly, for you know the, the there's no budget line item. It's a time it's a time allocation, uh, and and this really needs to start at, at the top of the organization. There needs to be uh, an intention declared that we're going to invest, you know, we're going to help ease people into the organization. We're going to give them the support uh, and, and the help that they need um, to become productive and stabilize within the organization. Uh, there's no better way to do that than a mentorship program. You know, what we find is that the first 90 days of employment really set the intention or the, the stage and the, and the mindset of the new hire. So if we get that first 90 days right, they're about 70% more likely to be with us for three years or longer. And so that, that initial period is just so critical in, in driving a retention rate. And if we have a mentorship program, frankly, even focused on the first 90 days, some call it a quick start program, something to that effect, where someone feels welcome, they have a place to go, a resource that they know and build a relationship. Fostering those relationships and giving that help drive satisfaction with the choice to come to work for you. And it leads to higher longer-term retention rates at the three-year mark. So there's a huge payoff for the time invested.
1: And then for the people in the organization, maybe doing the hard work, doing the training, doing the mentorship, what's in it for them? What does an organization have to do to say thank you or to reward these people for using their shifts to help new recruits?
0: Well, I mean, that's that's always the challenge. Um, I mean, I, I don't see a lot of organizations actually giving some kind of incentive pay for being a mentor, although that's certainly an option. There are inevitably members in, uh, on your roster who are more inclined to want to do these things. And and I think what, what mentors will find is, uh, particularly if they're in a management role, is the stability of the roster is a benefit worth investing in. And so, you know, it takes leadership saying we're going to be implementing a mentorship program because we want to make sure all the time and money we spend on the front end recruiting these folks into the organization isn't lost. And we also want to build roster stability over the long run. We've identified this as an opportunity and we're looking for folks who would like to opt in to be part of this program. The benefits are that, you know, you help us build a stronger organization and that leads to your job getting easier because you're having to cover fewer unfilled positions with your time. And so that trade, that logic generally is enough to launch a program. I don't see a need to pay people to be mentors, although there's certainly an incentive available to employers to offer if that's something they feel like they can afford. I would say put those dollars into tuition reimbursement or some other tangible hard benefit paired uh, with mentorship. We just haven't seen a lot of pushback on these particularly 90-day mentorship programs that have a, a set structure. So it's like, you know, even if we're, we're, we're meeting at the beginning and the end of the week to check in on how things are going, I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot of time. It could be something as, a, you know, thir- 30 minutes twice a week to do check-ins that's accessible and doable and leads to benefit for the person providing the mentoring in the form of a, a more robust staff that's less apt to turn.
1: Hmm. I'm wondering if you can provide us with an example of an organization, be it a long-term care one or nursing home one or home care one that, you know, really wasn't doing anything. And then they started to initiate some of these programs and it really made a difference.
0: Without naming names, I, you know, I, I can tell you, I was just speaking at an annual meeting for a nationwide care network. One of the things they've done is implemented, you know, essentially they've launched a, a not-for-profit arm that exists to fund scholarships for caregivers who seek to get a CNA or an RN license. Uh, and, and they market this quite successfully in their recruiting process, and they make a big deal about these scholarship recipients, and I think the program essentially is, is designed to pay for about a third of the licensing costs, right? So there's still skin in the game for the individual caregiver. Uh, it's not a free ride, but it's essentially a push, a financial push to get them to take that journey. And the organization, of course, gets all kinds of benefit in the recruiting process from being able to pr- promote I- video interviews with, with scholarship recipients and how it's changed their career tra- trajectory Uh, But it also helps them grow their own staff internally. There's a push every year for fundraising for this. The organization's contributing meaningful dollars to these scholarships. Individual facility operators are doing this. They're bringing dollars in from outside the organization as well, getting grants. This is their vehicle for providing, let's call it targeted certification fee abatement and giving scholarships to caregivers who apply for them, right? So there's a whole process involved. And it works really well. I mean, it's, I think, going on now to about 10 years. And the number of scholarships funded is growing every year. And they're seeing a, a real return in, both in terms of recruitment marketing, and in terms of folks following a career path.
1: So how does a facility or agency go about communicating that they offer these benefits to job seekers?
0: There are multiple paths here. So in the survey I mentioned earlier, what we found is that Indeed our other job boards, Google search, employer websites and social media are really the top four channels that job seekers in this industry use to research jobs and employers. And so to ensure your messages around career growth and any kind of tuition reimbursement policies, uh, land with your audience, there, there are four things you need to do first. Um, I would suggest that everyone listening, you know, take a minute here in the coming days and audit their own career site. And so you want to build a robust career site that says more, communicates more than just growth opportunities provided. You really want to share explicitly and exactly what you offer in order to help your team grow and even give examples of people who have taken advantage of these benefits. So in the example I just gave on tuition reimbursement, it's all promoted through first person interviews with folks who have benefited. So it's people saying, I did this, this was the benefit to me individually, and I'm so glad I joined this organization. So there's one example. I mean, second would be to audit your actual job descriptions. And so given that job boards and Google search are the top channels for healthcare job seekers, you've really got to write your job advertising uh, in a way that stands out. And So on both of these channels, your descriptions uh, an ad copy are going to be the first and many times the only messaging opportunity you have before someone decides to apply. And so leading really to my third point, that means you've got to lead with what you have that meets or exceeds what they're looking for. Uh, and in this case, it's career growth. And so if I'm a, thinking of this as a, as a product marketer, I'm marketing a product to a consumer base. In this case, my product is a job. And I have to ask the question, am I marketing a job that has the the features and benefits that this market's looking for? Career growth is one of the biggest ones. But the second is flexibility. And so if I'm writing ad copy or a job description to sell my product to this market and differentiate it, I'm hammering on career growth and I'm hammering on flexibility. And I actually have to be an employer that offers that. But you know, it's, it, it's language around meeting them where they are, about flexible shift management, and about career growth. And the third leg of that stool would be about meaning in the work that we do. So I would be writing ad copy that focuses on career growth, that focuses on flexible work arrangements if possible, and that focuses on the meaning in the work. And then finally, really Uh, beefing up your social media profiling to include all of the same messaging you're including on your career site, your job description. So you want to feature happy members of your staff who have moved up in their careers and really take a show, don't tell approach. Let the results speak speak for themselves and you get a, a bit of a halo effect when you do that. And so our most successful employers are promoting career growth, flexibility and meaning and they're doing it not only in their career site in traditional channels like Indeed Advertising, but they're also doing it through social media. And what we're finding is that employers can get 30, 40, even 50% of their hires through non-traditional channels, which I would, you know, it would include employee referral programs in that bucket. So our, our most successful customers leverage their employee referral program and platform to promote career growth flexibility and meaningful work to attack their lowest cost recruitment source, which are the folks that they have already on the roster.
1: Well, that is very valuable advice. Thank you so much for joining us today. Adam Robinson with Hireology.
0: Yeah, thanks, Liza. It's great to be here.